Hello and welcome into the Thursday, July 28th edition of the Locked On at Least podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. Today we're going to play some Cosign No Sign, one of our favorite games that we play here on the channel. Also, an interesting stat that's going to make you Justin Hole haters squeal and squirm a little bit inside when I drop that little bit of knowledge on you on today's show. All that and more on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano uh, from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also now catch us up in video format on YouTube that's by searching up Locked on Lease on YouTube and hit subscribe. Get that daily content delivered to you each and every day. Hit that little notification bell as well so that you know every time we drop a new video. Uh, well, Dave, it's the dog days of summer, my friend. The dog days of summer have finally arrived. It, the, the news well is pretty dry. It, it, it is pretty dry right now. Like, what have you been up to, I guess, like throughout the last couple of days as the hockey News cycle is really dried up. How are you spending your time? Let's get to know Dave a little bit. Well, it's no secret that given my last name and my heritage, I'm a big Italian, especially yeah. a big soccer fan, as you can tell by what I'm wearing. So I've been enjoying a little uh, a little Italian flavor being brought to Toronto FC. Mm-hmm. So this is the time where I get to enjoy the summer sports. You, I mean, people on the podcast know I also cover the CFL. So that's kept me a little busy, and uh, the Blue Jays. I swift. I, I pretty much go from, you know, the hockey and basketball, and I flip the switch to the summer sports. That's how right I get right away. And they, a lot of people, I'm sure, do that. You know, the boys of summer, and they've been on a heater lately. Dropped a, a, a pretty crap one last night to the Cardinals, I might say. But uh, as of late, the bats are looking pretty good. Um, you know, the boys are playing well. Um, and hopefully they're, they're playoff bound and they can win around because uh, there's enough teams out there in the Toronto market that doesn't get past round one. Let's hope Toronto can get past round one, get through to the wild card, into the divisional, maybe the ALCS. Heaven forbid this team goes to a World Series. Would be nice uh, if that could happen. All right, Dave, uh, we are going to play some cosine no sign, but before we do, uh, there was an interesting article that was written by Dmitry Filipovich um, from Elite Prospects, and I don't know if you have the tweet that you can bring up potentially that that I, I, I shared to you and that I sent you, but essentially he wrote an article, and it was showing, uh, it was like one of the charts, I guess, like a big chart, which we'll bring up in a second uh, for those who are listening on YouTube, but it was a big chart essentially talking about the entry defense or exit no, de- entry denial or defense off of the rush and the best players through the playoffs at that. And then there was like a little block type of chart thing. And surprisingly, there, there it is right there. So this year, five on five defensive zone entry defense. So zone denials, essentially. Um, and funny enough, 
right there. I don't know if you can get there. There's Justin Hall, and he's up, up where it says, what does it say, brick wall defending? So brick wall, look at the names in that section. You've got Mackenzie Weger, who just got dealt. we got Devon Taze, Victor Hedman, Jacob Slavin. You've got Charlie McAvoy, Josh Manson, uh, Bowen Byram, Jonas uh, Brody. Like, there are so many terrific defensemen that are in that range of being a brick wall. And then go down to the bottom where it's like shows the the access, the access part, like the other uh, section. <clears throat> Does it scroll down any lower? Like all the way down to the bottom. Like what is the all? We got Entry. open door. Yeah. On the high left. Risk. And on the right, we got high risk. And then in the middle is about average. Right. So go. Oh, it's so like up to the top would be considered top left, I guess. Forcing so it's more dump. top left. So yeah, forcing dump ins and then you got a brick wall. So basically what they're saying is when you take a look at all the defensemen in the NHL and you compile it now, granted, Justin Holy played what five games, so like a much smaller sample size than the Tays and the Mansons and Bro uh, Byrams and Victor Hedmans of the world, who went on and actually played multiple rounds and into the Stanley Cup final. But that being said, I, everyone sits there and craps on Justin Hall, but I mean, if you you look at the numbers, that guy was denying zone entries a lot more than any other Leafs defenseman was doing, and I think he needs to get some credit for for the work that he has done. And the work that he did this offseason, everyone's trying to move on from him. I feel like it's gotten to a point where it's it's the cool thing to crap on Justin Hall, where it's like, oh, get this guy off the roster. He cannot be on this team anymore. Look, he's a perfectly fine third-pair defenseman. Like, a perfectly fine. If he is on this team's third pair, I have no problem with that. Do I want him playing up in the lineup? I do not. Do I want him on the first pair and second pair? No, clearly not. But he's not awful. And he's not someone that you just jettison for, like, as a cap dump. He is a valuable piece that I think other teams would probably like to have as a third-pair defense. We could probably get a decent pick for him. But ultimately, he also would be valuable for the Maple Leafs because he plays that defensive style that not a lot of these guys do. He's a, he's not a big body, but he's not a small guy. And clearly, he's not afraid to step up and deny zone entries, which is very key uh, when you're playing, you know, the, when you're playing defense so that you can make sure you don't allow those rush chances to make sure that you force guys to maybe dump the puck or you get the, the, the puck off the stick. Justin Hall to me is getting to a point. I think is what I'm trying to say. He might be a tad underrated at this point by Leafs fans because of how much they hate him for whatever reason. Would you agree with that? Or are you on team Hall stinks? Let's get this guy out of here. I'm going to be very careful with this. I, I'm i not of the opinion that Justin Hall is the worst defenseman. We we went through the defense rankings a few days ago. If you go back to the last episode, we went through the fact that Justin Hall is not the worst defenseman in the NHL based on what fans believe. Right. But he wasn't too far off, though. He wasn't too far off either. He... I you do notice that there are certain analytical things that he does well, and that probably gets him a lot of favor in the lineup, and that's well, why I'll note that that ranking that we looked at was a fan based yeah. ranking, right? Like that right. wasn't including the stats. That's all just eye test, memory, and popularity contest. Realistically, yeah. is what that vote was. 
which is why I think that he probably should be higher if you actually looked at the stats and analytics, which is what this chart looks at. Not saying he's in the stratosphere of these players, but he certainly is a lot better than what the fan response, that ranking suggested in my opinion. Based on the fact that he keeps getting, uh, you know, opportunity and, and time with the Maple Leafs, I think they also see the good that Justin Hall does as well. Yeah, like he's this is the thing, right? He does things well, but there are things that, you know, his role and how much the Leafs have defended him to this point. When when you get the when you get the GM coming out and the coach coming out and defending a player who has had some bad moments, I you know what, like I look at these games I don't think they lost any of these games because of Justin Hall, unless you are going to try to put the pick play all on him (laughs) on that John Tavares goal, which I mean, still in my opinion, doesn't really change the fact that you still needed to win that game with three goals and not just one goal. Um, But like, this is, this is a five game sample. I don't know how it's like throughout the year. I think this is something that, Need, would need a bigger sample size to determine. But as a third-pairing defenseman, you can stomach Justin Hall in the right spot. But if you're going to put him in a top four, no, that's just not going to work. We've like that's, that's firmly been established that if he is going to be playing on this team, he will be playing as that third-pairing guy. The, the question here is, oh, on a team like the that's Leafs, where you'd like to see him. Yeah, but the thing here is on a team like the Leafs that are paying him $2 million. That's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, but for a cap strap team like the Leafs, it kind of is a, a lot of money when you invest so much money up front. Like $2 million would be fine if the Leafs were a bit more balanced in how they have constructed their lineup. I, I think you could do a lot worse than Justin Hall in that third pairing. I also think that because you have not been able to develop defensemen, that that's why, I mean, technically Justin Hall was developed by the team because he played for the Marlies yeah. and he was brought up. But this is this is remains a big reason why you need to start finding ways to develop your own talent because otherwise you have to find guys like Justin Hall and pay them that $2 million because you just don't have, like, look at the options. The only other option there was was Timothy Lilligren, and it's clear that the Leafs had a different role that they needed filled. And that's why Justin Hall was brought in. I don't think this had anything to do with Timothy Logan, not being a good defenseman. I just think that they, they felt like they needed something different. And that's what Justin Hall brings. Well, you don't just bank on one guy, you bring in a whole bunch and you throw darts at the board and, and whoever flourishes to become NHLers, like you're happy with all of that. So Justin Hall just kind of, I guess, hit, earlier on like he's a little older and he didn't end up getting to the nhl until he was what 26 or so years old 26 27 Mm -hmm. so it took him a a while to get there you know he spent like three or four years sputting around in in the minors before getting to the nhl but ultimately i think that he's done a, a, a pretty good job like there's been times where i've wanted to pull my hair out as well watching justin hall but overall I think he's a worthwhile third pair guy. I don't think he's really that much overpaid. You could argue that in the way that the least cap structure is, you kind of do need to have much cheaper, you know, third pair guys and fourth line guys just because of the amount of money 
allocated up top. But when you look at what he possesses, right shot, defensive defenseman, you can't really – like that's a market inefficiency. You can't find that out there. I mean, Edmonton paid Cody Cece $3.5 bucks to get that into their lineup. Like well, what Ilya Lubushkin got from Buffalo. Lubushkin, yeah, nearly $3 million for Ilya Lubushkin. And, you know, a lot of people probably would say, well, I'd rather Ilya at 275 than Justin Hall. Okay, maybe, perhaps. But that's what I mean. Like, it's still for, like, a third-pair defenseman, that's the going rate. Like, at this point, or mm-hmm. third-pair right-handed defensive defenseman, between two and a half and three million seems to be the going rate. Um, if you're a, a UFA that has any type of decent experience, yeah, and like that's that's the big one right there, right? Experience, because if you're you're not finding anyone really cheaper that has experience, and right-handed shot defensemen know that. <laughs> that's why they command so much, and they'll wait for a team to pay for the pay that because they know and demand my friend bake economics supply and demand that's why erica branson keeps making four million dollars every year because he's a rugged right shot defenseman that's literally it and he also right to columbus as well yeah being buddies with uh with johnny hockey also helped him get uh get the four years uh on that deal as well you're right that is that we've established that that is correct that is a cosine that, my friend. Speaking of cosine, we're going to play some cosine, no sign in a moment. But before we do, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors, and that's our favorite betting site. That's betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On at Least podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Morissuti with me. We are your hosts here at Locked On Leafs. And if you notice that we did not have an episode come out yesterday, it's because uh, for the next couple of months, I guess, until we get hockey back, until training camp, I believe, uh, we'll be doing three episodes a week instead of the traditional five. So if you missed out on yesterday's and you missed us, that's why. We apologize, but... Uh, with the slow news, it's the offseason. Hey, we we want a little bit of an offseason, too. But we still are going to bring you podcasts at least three times a week. Maybe more. Maybe more. But we'll do uh, at least three shows a week for you guys here uh, with the Locked on Leafs clan. Um, today, we are going to play some Cosign No Sign. It is one of our favorite games that we like to play here on the podcast. Uh, Dave, why don't you take it away and give us our first Cosine, no sign. I suppose I should set the game up for those yeah, who uh, haven't see. haven't listened to us before. So if you're new to the game, it's pretty simple. Uh, we're going to make a statement to each other. If we agree, we're going to cosign the statement. If you disagree with what the other person says, then you no sign the statement. Pretty simple. Dave, give me your first statement. First statement: The Leafs should look to bring in PK Subban to training camp on a tryout. If he does not sign with another team, uh, I no sign. I'm gonna no sign it. I I think like, I mean, you could just to bring him in for a tryout, but ultimately, I don't think that he fits on this team anywhere. Like they have, uh, 
enough guys who you're like, oh, he, he's good on the third pair, but I don't want to play him up higher in the lineup. Well, eventually one of those third pair guys is going to have to play up in the lineup. And I don't know if they want PK to be that guy, knowing that his you know defensive deficiencies um, and at this point in his career is just not what he used to be. If you wanted to bring him in just for an extra camp body, I suppose, and you know give him an opportunity to play in his hometown to wear the Maple Leaf and, and be, you know, showcase him off for other teams who might be interested. But by also doing that, you're taking away some other valuable time for other players, you know, and, and I feel like if there's just no shot that they'd be interested in signing PK Subban, um, then I don't think that they should bother bringing him in. Like that'd be a different team could probably do that, but I don't think Toronto would be, would be, too much interested. I know there's a lot of Leaf fans that want them to bring in PK Subban, but ultimately, like, where does he fit, Dave? Yeah, like, where that's, are you going to play him with Morgan Riley? Well, that's the problem. Well, Morgan Riley is not a defensive defenseman, so like, you well, have. To, like, are you going to play him with Morgan Riley? No. Are you going to play him with Jake Muzzin? Probably not. You're going to play him in your shutdown defensive pair with Jake Muzzin? No. No. So I don't see that. Okay, then, so you're, now you're down to your third pair. All right, so then what are you going to do with Timothy Lilligren? What are you going to do with Justin Hall? Are you going to play those guys up your lineup? Are you, is, is Sandine no longer in the picture? Like, there's just no fit there for him on this roster. They have enough kind of third-pair defensemen. They don't need another one. Despite the fanfare of what P.K. Subban is and represents, uh, he's just not what he used to be, and he can't really help this team – there's there's no need for a player, no need for the caliber player that he is at this point in his career on the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I I, I just I've heard, I've seen some of the chatter. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Like if if you found a defensive defenseman that had the kind of the cachet or past cachet of a PK Subban, I would do that. PK Subban was a good defensive player. I would do it. But ultimately, he's probably going to go to want, want to go to a team where he can kind of be like that power play specialist, offensive guy that he yeah. really. And I, I think there will be a team that ha- that will need that. I, there are going to be teams that are going to be in a bit of a bind. Seattle, Seattle's that guy. That for me, Seattle's so perfect. Or even, um, you know, after San Jose flipped uh, Brent Burns over to Carolina. Go fill in, you know, what what Brent Burns did down in San Jose, perhaps, you know, take over. Uh, I guess Carlson can be, be on PP1, but have him quarterback PP2, third power or third pair of minutes works perfectly. That's where I think the ideal scenario is for PK Subban. That's there's there's no hole in those areas for the Maple Leafs. They have a guy who can play second power play and they have multiple players who can also play third pair right right side minutes. So. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna no sign it, but who knows? I mean, if they want to do you know do good by him, maybe they bring him in. So yeah, we'll showcase you for other teams, but I don't see it happening. All right, uh, my first one for you, my friend. So uh, I'll ask this one first, actually. Nicholas Abe Kubel will be this year's Michael Bunting for the Maple Leafs. I had thought about doing this one. But a, I thought you might have been the, you might have had that same thought. You know me too well. Yeah, so I opted against it. I did read the article. Um, 
I don't think he's going to be exactly Michael Bunting because I feel like he will bring that physical presence. I just think Michael Bunting had a bit more potential to him when he came to the Leafs and like there was that thought that he could be a guy that could fit into the top six. Abi Kubel, everyone's kind of just saying he is a middle, he is a lower, you know, bottom six type of player. Does that mean he's going to play exclusively in the bottom six? If you hear how Sheldon Keefe kind of talked him up and like how badly he wanted to bring him in, this tells me that he's going to, he might give Abi Kubel a chance to play higher up if other guys aren't getting the job done. So he has the potential to be, to be more of a breakout player. Like among the guys they have brought in uh, in free agency, he might be the more the best bargain for what they paid for. I think in free agency. So if in that case, that's where the comparison to Michael Bunting could be. I just think I don't know if you're going to see the same type of production from Abe Kubel. Yeah, that's that's probably an appropriate answer. Like he'll give you bang for your buck, right? For a million bucks, he'll definitely come in and earn his money, and probably maybe with given some opportunities that you didn't think he'll maybe even you know surpass that in a way where like David Camp surpassed uh, his contract, but you know David Camp I wouldn't put in the Michael Bunting status. Like I don't anticipate sixty points or anything even close to that out of Nick Abe Kubel. Um, I, I think he, you know, you could maybe argue you know, Mikheyev level or Engvall level of production, but I don't think that he touches Michael Bunting level of production. So from a production standpoint, no, but from a standpoint of like, oh, wow, this guy's performing above and beyond his contract. I could see that, you know, as a philosophical type of, um, you know, comparison being closer to a Michael Bunting than say a Nick Ritchie, where it's like, get this guy off the ice. Come on. Why would we even sign him to this type of deal? So I guess you probably should probably co-sign or no-sign it. I'm going to co-sign based on the type of, you know, he could be the best bargain player that the Leafs have signed from free agency. So I'll co-sign it in that regard, but I don't know if he's going to be exactly Michael Bunting. He can shoot. I'll say this, though. Like, he's he's not an awful shooter. I know that he hasn't been a scorer throughout his career. Just 21 goals in 169 NHL games, 11 of which were scored last year um, through 67 games of Colorado. But in junior, his final two years of Valdor did score 38 goals a season um, through 61 games. So does have that scoring touch. And I do recall Kyle Dubas saying when he has time and space, he can shoot the puck and he can score a goal. So there's a, a, a potential for him to be a little bit more offensive than I think we're anticipating. But I don't necessarily see Michael Bunting level of production either. So I'm with you on that one. All right, uh, Dave, fun stuff as always. Uh, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on These podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Make underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Also follow the show at Locked on Leafs. Go ahead, leave a comment and a like down on YouTube uh, down below. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you back with another episode here tomorrow. But until then, keep locked right here on Locked On Leafs.